books. I will have to admit, though, that when I was in high school, I was a mean girl, and I... I told you this, Kayla needed Jesus, and that is why she became a pastor. And I'm going to give you a little glimpse of how much Jesus Kayla needed. So um, I witnessed a breakup of two of my good friends, high school breakup, high drama, the campus scattered to both sides, like, oh, girls, are they going to still be friends? Guys, can they still be friends with some of the mixing? And I said, we should write like a goodbye poem, like, peace out, I'm better than you. I don't need you in my life anymore, kind of thing. Like I said, I do not condone this behavior because I have since met Jesus. But this is just a story for poetry's sake. This is how good of a poet I thought I was. It started out like this. Roses are red. Super original, second line. Violets are blue. And this is where you get the creative liberty, right? I came up with this on my own, you guys. I made a mistake by dating you. So my friend was a better person than I was. And we wrote it out, but we didn't actually give it. But I was like super proud of myself because creativity was like sprawling out of my pores. When was the last time that you read a good piece of poetry? And if it's not your thing, or if that's not your genre, then it's probably few and far between kinds of events where you come across a moving piece of poetry. I'm gonna throw this poem up on the screen and read it for you. Now is the time for the world to know that every thought and action is sacred. This is the time for you to deeply compute the impossibility that there is anything but grace. Now is the season to know that everything you do is sacred. This was a piece of poetry that was read at a wedding that I was recently at. This was the beginning of the ceremony, an invitation to worship, that these two people coming together were going to um, be in a moment of worship. They were inviting all of the people around them to be in a moment of worship. This comes from The Gift, if you are interested in more prose like this. I thumbed through it, and it's beautiful, so I encourage you to look. This was a call to worship. Everything that you do is sacred. In a time where the world would tell us there is no value in the words of the Bible, to read words and to understand that our actions, and when we come to worship, it is sacred. I have to admit, it's been a while since I've simmered on a good piece of poetry until I came across this one. And today we are going to be looking at the Psalms. More than poetry, Psalms are experiences, expressions, and emotions that believers put into lyric, into song, and into prayer. 
These psalms that you'll find in the middle of your Bible are full of laments. They're full of praises. They have the entire human experience, all of the ups and all of the downs. And what I love about the psalms, even though I'm not the biggest fan of poetry, lyric, and this kind of, of genre, I love that when you come to these psalms, they are raw, they are truthful, and they are honest. There is no Christian glow around the experiences that you will find in the Psalms. You don't put your rosy Christian eyeglasses on, and then all of a sudden everything is hashtag blessed. The Psalms will bring you to a place where your joy comes from the source of joy, God where your sorrow is met by the one who can combat that sorrow, God. Psalms are experiences, expressions, and emotions of believers put into songs and prayers, praises and laments, exclamations and frustrations. No matter where we are in the journey, there is a psalm that we can identify with. These psalms that offer honesty and a freedom to worship. There are a handful in our community that have gone back to school, that have gone back to work at school, and there are just a few of us left who are hanging on to those last few weeks. And then there's the rest of us who don't understand why there's a delineation for summer. Like it's just another part of our calendar. But the reality is summer is ending and I would love for this humidity to go away. Amen. Amen. We are San Diegans and we did not sign up for two months of this. I, I would just, I mean, I know I say this all the time, but I signed up for San Diego and this week I did not get San Diego. I think that when we come to the Psalms, there is an honesty, a rawness, a vulnerability and a freedom that we can find. I don't know about the rest of you, but my summer season has kicked my butt. I have been thrashed around. Car rides, plane rides, meetings, unfortunate conversations, fortunate conversations. The highs, the lows, and the spectrum has happened in three months. From positive diagnoses to few days left to live, there is so much life that can happen in a week, in a day. And we are here because we need a blessing. We need to recommune with God. We need to understand that the God who created us has all of the goodness in store. And so when we come to the Psalms this morning, that is what I invite you to step into. I invite you to step into the goodness, the promise, the love, and the grace that God has set aside just for you. So one of the things that I do have to praise about is our youth room is back in function. Amen. Amen. After almost six months, seven months, six months, we, we are back home. And one of the cool things that we've done in preparation for being in our new old youth room is to claim it once again as ours. So we've thought about what it means. What are the rules? What is the law of the land in that space? Today we talked about what it meant to build community. And it started with when somebody walks in the room, what do we do? We greet them. 
Yeah, hi, and we actually had some visitors, and it was crazy obnoxious when you had, there was only like eight of us, and it was, hi! And I was like, oh no, people are not gonna wanna come back here. And then the next thing you know, our friend is like laughing along with us. And that is the joy, and that is the fun, and that is the sacredness of worship that happens in that space, and we are happy to have it back. So what I've done in preparation for getting this room back is I've asked our high school students to find a proverb and a psalm that will go up on the walls of our room because they will be the truth and the praises that our walls are housed in. So I am super excited and I'm super grateful to have our grand opening of Sabbath worship in there. And today we decided what our walls are going to look like, what's going to go on, and there is ownership for there. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Psalms right in the middle. 126, and we will read this whole thing, just a mere six verses. Psalm 126, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, our tongue with shouts of joy, and then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the water courses in the Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. It was from this psalm that your youth, your high school students, Diego Alvarez to be exact, who found what psalm, what truth, what praise would be going up on our wall. Verses 2 and 3. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. It was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. This is the scripture that our youth of this community have decided is a foundational praise to what we do here. Because when you come here, when you worship here, when you deeply connect and when you are in community here, there is joy. And what I love about this psalm is a few observations. I invite you to keep rereading and rereading and rereading these six verses. It's a very short psalm. Hebrew poetry isn't known for its rhythm or its rhyming like my high school poem was. It is usually about the characteristic of expansion. You have one line, one verse, one thought, and then it's expanded on. So verse 2 highlights what is unique and completely characteristic of Hebrew poetry. Then our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongue with shouts of joy. See that expansion? And then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Another expansion. The Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. Usually one line, then a second line, two lines, and then two lines. Like I said, there is a little parallel in in what happens. So I know that poetry isn't everybody's call to scripture. Psalms might not be the thing that does it for you. I admitted to first service that 
The gospels are what gets me. Get me to the Jesus part. The Jesus part saves me. The Jesus part gives me hope. That's the person that I've encountered. The Jesus part is where all the meat's at. But the Jesus part would mean nothing if I didn't have the rest of these scriptures that paved the way for him. And so this psalm and what we have and what the Hebrews were reading and singing and praising prior to the encounter of Jesus was that the God that they served made them a promise. Verses 1 through 3, the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, and we were like those who dream. This dream, this promise that they have that when you are restored by God, our mouth is filled with laughter, our tongues with shouts of joy, and it was among them that the nations, that all of those around Zion, all of, all of those around the chosen people, what the Israelites were given tasked to do was to show that the Lord had done great things for them and that therefore the nations around them could claim the Lord has done great things for us and that they would rejoice. Poetry as a device specifically does something very unique. It allows you to access hyperboles, it allows you to access metaphors and similes and different imagery that you could not otherwise gain. So when your youth, your kids tell me that they literally died after they got off that ride at Six Flags, when they said that with their words and their breathing bodies, there is a thing that we communicate in that, in that hyperbole and in that exaggeration. But I get it, because I was on that ride too. <laughs> I get it. Lucas told me while we were on a ride, I'm putting him on blast. So our legs are locked in, and our little this thing comes over. He goes, what if our like chest one goes and you're just hanging by your legs? I was like, right now? Like right now, and I'm in between the two Mishka boys. I'm like, mercy, how did this happen? And then I get off and somebody else goes, I literally died. My response was, me too, me too. Because you have these expressions that language will give you that you can only access in a specific space. And that is what the Psalms offer us. They offer us an experience, an expression in our emotions into a space that is accessible, into a space that you can only gather when you're here in the Psalms and in the lyrics. Psalms catch our attention and they stimulate our thoughts, whether or not you find them realistic or whether or not they're just beautiful poetry. What is this telling you about the God that created you? What is this praise that they are singing? When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. And just in that phrase, the idea of restoration is moving to me. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, this idea that God is the one who restores us. It is in restoration that joy comes. It is in restoration when the positive experiences happen. Restoration which says God wants to put you where God has had you all along. Alongside him. As one of his children where you are loved and he is pleased with you. One commentator says this about poetry and psalms. 
In particular, this is the language of experience. It is the most powerful in its communicative ability. So one of these things that I would love for our community to reflect on is our experience and how that's communicated. Because we hope that when you come to this space to worship, one, you are blessed because you have worshiped. Two, that you leave this place changed because we are a new church for a new future here. We want to create different experiences, different outcomes, and we want to make Jesus accessible to everybody. So in our poetry, in our psalm, in our experience, expression, and emotions, what would we say? As we move on in this psalm, we have another expansion or parallelism in verses 4, 5, and 6. Restore our fortunes, O, o Lord. So we have this idea of restoration again. Like the water courses in the Negev, may those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves, carrying their harvest, carrying their blessings. So this promise that they acknowledge about the God who restores, the God who is for them, the God who wants nothing but good for each and every one of us. This is the kind of God that we worship with. This is the kind of God that we send our worship to. If this does not create an experience, an expression, or an emotion in your life, then I think we are doing it wrong. And so it is for you to know how to have a psalm of your own, whether it's an, a lament, a frustration, a petition, or a praise. You have something to share if you have encountered this kind of God. The God that restores, who wants you by his side. So what these people are praising is that they have gotten this promise that when you are restored by the Lord, your mouth is filled with laughter and your tongue with shouts of joy. That the nations around you, that those who witness what you are encountering, those will say, the Lord has done great things for them. I want some of that. And just as easily they can claim, the Lord has done great things for us and we can rejoice. This is the promise that they have been given, and so the next three voices are the prayer that they have for their lives. Do this, God. We give this to you. Restore our fortunes, O oh Lord, like water courses in the Negev. Bring water, bring life into the desert, because we give you that power. We know you can do that. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. That no matter what situation you've encountered, no matter what experience you have had in your life, this is a God of restoration. This is the God who allow you to come home carrying your sheaves of blessings. May these cries of sorrows turn into cries of tears because you have given it over to God. These are the words of scripture that your high school students have decided to put on the walls. This is the foundation at which they look at faith. That no matter what situation may come their way, whatever psalm they're singing, if it's a high or a low, 
They're recognizing that there is something special that happens in the presence of the Lord. I am moved by this idea of restoration and reconciliation because the high school girl who made an ugly poem should not deserve any of it. None of that. None of us deserve this gift that has been placed before us, but that is the kind of God we serve. If you've been pulled in every direction this summer, this week, this day, this year, that is the kind of God you serve. If you are at the highs, thank God, praise God, this is your harvest of joy. That is the kind of God you serve. And as we continue to encounter this God and as we continue to ingrain in our community that you are loved, you are a child of God and he is pleased with you, then we hope that the nations around us will be able to say, we want some of that. We are a community that has decided that worship is life. That your interaction on the street, in the car, in the grocery store is an act of worship. That when we worship well and when we do this as a community, we connect in a way that we have never seen before. That I will want to interact with you in a way that I never thought I should want to. That this God that we encounter, that the Holy Spirit allows us to know, allows us to look at everybody in this space and know that there is a place for you. As I tell you often about my experiences with your high school kids and with the college kids and with the young people of our church, I feel that it is part of my job description to let you know that the words that keep coming up in our conversations have to do with hypocrisy, authenticity, and transparency. How come I cannot worship the way that I want to worship? How come I am not allowed to do this in my space and all I want to do is encounter Jesus? Friends, these are the questions of your youth, which means that we have to have some answers here. We are a new church for a new future, which means things might look a little differently because it's going to be new. And what we will create will be new, and when we will be restored, we will be new. A new church for a new future means that we want you to walk out of this space affirmed that God is active and present in your life. No matter what circumstances you've been in, you will encounter God is right there with you. We want you to walk out of this space deeply connected with people. More than just, yes, they're part of my church family. They are the people that I journey with. Deciding for yourself that worship and your life of faith only come into full expression when you are engaged in community. We want you to walk out of this place seeing the value of everyone. We are created by a God who wants to restore us. We worship a God who only has goodness in store, joy and laughter in store. Friends, if I'm honest, I agree with some of the youth voices more often than I'd like to admit. 
The authenticity, the transparency, and the hypocrisy have me fumbled at times as well. Why can't we come into this space and be energized about the worship that we do? And as we come to study the scripture and the promises that God has for us, how come we're not singing joys like this? May we become convicted about this God, this goodness, and this restorations. It is our prayer that when you worship, you have no other option than to do it with reckless abandon. That is the kind of new church that we are hoping for. We want you to be a part of it. So it's okay to laugh a little, to sway a little, to lift your hands a little. Experience that kind of joy, that laughter, somewhere in this space. So this is part one of Psalming Summer, which I think I'm a fool because Yasmin said, like, why Psalming Summer? Because Psalms, and it sounds like slamming summer. But I think I'm just a fool. I want you to consider for the next week until we do part two. Who is God to you? What is the psalm that you would start writing for yourself? God the restorer? God the what? God is my what? Because we know many psalms and many prayers. The Lord is my shepherd. We know that he is my comfort. We know that he is my strength. For the next seven days, I invite you to think about what you would fill this in with. I invite you to also follow our shameless plug, Instagram, Instagram.com slash Benita Avenist. You can check online if you're not on the app. It's okay. But you will be flooded with some psalms over the next week as you think about what your own would be. So you can read a few and look at the expansions and see what your testimony, what your experience, your expression, and your emotion would be if you were to write your own psalm. Take a look at some of these options while the worship team comes back on stage. Based on what you will choose this week, I invite you to pray about it. I invite you to meditate on it. I invite you to journal about it. Because we will continue talking about what it means to be in the Psalms. What it means for you to have an experience, an expression, and an emotion about your faith. Follow us along on this journey. Check us out on Instagram. These reflections of ourselves lead us to claim these experiences, these expressions, and these emotions, where then this faith becomes something that we don't learn about, but we experience. Another author reads Psalm 126 like this. It seemed like a dream too good to be true when God returned Zion's exiles. We laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. We are one happy people. And now, God, do it again. Bring rains on our drought-stricken lives so that those who planted their crops in despair will shout hurrahs at the harvest. So those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessing. This is your God who wants restoration and goodness for you. May it look a little different because you have something to praise about. It is my prayer that you find yourself in moments of worship this week, that you are able to claim and testify the God that is your peace, Father, kindness, strength, creator, grace, comforter, helper, guide.
May you see the promises of restoration and grace that God has made for you. And may you proclaim his goodness and joy in every reality you face. Amen.